Well, greetings and God bless, church. I hope that you have enjoyed our service so far. Let's hop straight into the word. I hope you are ready to continue our focus series. I believe God has something powerful to communicate to us today. Will you lift up your hands right now? God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. We've never needed you more than we need you right now. I pray for those who are hurting, who are lost, who are lonely, who are perhaps confused about what they are supposed to do. I pray that you would give them clarity, even as we talk about relationships and friendships today, God. I pray for those who feel alone and isolated, marginalized by themselves. I pray that you would be the friend who sticks closer than any brother. God, we know there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, burn for your love. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, O Lord, in your sight. O Lord, my strength and, and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I want to move quickly through this because I know you've had a long service so far. You still got turkey in your stomach, no doubt. So I'm going to move quickly, as quickly as I possibly can. Familiar passage in 1 Samuel chapter 20. We're going to start in verses 16. We'll just read two verses to start out. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath of, out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Uh, we've been talking about this series, this main topic of focus. Why don't you type that in the comments? Focus. And we've been trying to ask and answer this question, what does it mean to follow a focused Savior in a distracted society? How many know that our society is filled with distractions? We have a culture that is filled with us doing the things that God has not called for us to do. So it is important for us to maintain our focus. Once again, if you haven't put it in the comments, why don't you do that? Focus. And a Christian definition of focus that I coined myself is this. Focus is the clarity to direct your attention toward what you have been called to do and who called you to do it. Let me say it again. Focus is the clarity to direct your attention toward what you have been called to do and who called you to do it. And so underlying all of this is a theology of purpose. And purpose is important because every single one of us has it. Again, if this is your first time tuning in, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you are participating in, what someone said about you, you have a purpose that God has given you from before the foundation of the world. And focused people are the ones who can have the clarity to direct their attention toward that purpose and the purpose giver. And so we believe that focused people are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, dangerous to the forces of injustice and those forces of hate, and those forces that the enemy would like to use to corrupt the world, the good world that we live in. And today I want to talk about a special element. This is our fourth uh, sermon in, this, in the Focus series. I want to talk about a very interesting element as it relates to our purpose. There is a book that I've been reading, and I bought it earlier this year. It's by a guy named Dr. Darius Daniels, a very famous preacher. It's called Relational Intelligence. Relational Intelligence. Relational intelligence, the subtitle of the book is The People Skills You Need for the Life of Purpose You Want. Oh, that's a good subtitle. The People Skills You Need for the Life of Purpose You Want. How many of y'all know we need some skills? We need some guidance when it comes to dealing with people. Help me somebody. How many of you know that we need some guidance when it comes to dealing with people? 
And his premise is very simple. He says, you cannot get Christianity right and get relationships wrong. There's both a great commission that God gives us, and there's also great commandments as well. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And there's this quote in the book that really leaped out at me, and it's a quote that really summarizes what I believe is so important for us as we talk about focus and we talk about pursuing our purpose. He says this, friends offer more than company. They help us carry out our calling. Friends offer more than company. They help us carry out our calling. So I want to entitle today's message very simply, Purpose Partners. Purpose Partners. Type it in the comments, Purpose Partners. I've mentioned this before, and I want to reaffirm it to you today. A major statement, the power of your purpose is directly related to the quality of your community. The power of your purpose is directly related to the quality of your community. Each follower of Jesus will have specific people who are assigned to you and tied to you to accomplish the purpose that God has given to you. And so the power of that purpose, it's directly, it is a one-to-one -one correlation directly related to the quality of the people who are around you. And so purpose partners are these loyal companions. They're assigned to champion and guard God's purpose in your life. How many are thankful that there are some people that God assigns to you to accomplish the purpose that he placed on the inside of you? And these are people who help to push you towards what God has called for you to experience. Now, I do want to say here, it's very important for us to understand that everyone is not a purpose partner. We can have friends who are not purpose partners. There are different levels of relationships in our lives. And part of the problem is many of us, uh, we want to curate our circle so much that we want to only have purpose partners. There are different levels of relationships. I've talked about this before. There are covenant companions. There are assignment associates. There are mature mentors. There are deceivers and deserters. Never forget that Jesus himself even had a Judas in his inner circle. See, some of us, I don't even want to get into all this, but I'm just going to go where the Holy Spirit leads me. Some of us, we want to curate our circle so much that we fail to develop our character. God uses a flawed circle to develop our character. So there are some people in your life that you're not supposed to cut out. There are some people in your life you're not supposed to get rid of. There are some people in your life that you're not supposed to leave by the wayside. There are some people in your life who you are not supposed to eliminate. They are actually intended to be with you so that you can develop your character to show you the parts of yourself that aren't fully there yet. How many of you know I still got some work to do in my heart? How many of you are saying I've still got some things that God has to sanctify me out of? How many of y'all are saying I've still got some places to grow into maturity? I'm not all the way there yet. God is still working on me. Amen. And as we do this, we recognize that there are some people in our lives that are on different levels. They're on different areas and levels of our relationship. But there are still some purpose partners that God has given to us to safeguard the purpose that he's placed inside of us. For those of you who are unaware of the story of David, David had a purpose partner. His purpose partner's name was Jonathan. David was a shepherd boy, and he was plucked out of the fields by the prophet Samuel. And he anointed David as the next king, even when he was a young man. David kills the giant Goliath in the presence of all the enemies of the Israelites and the Philistines. And then they start to sing, Saul, the current king, has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And as time elapses, Saul begins to feel threatened by the presence of David. They start to like him a little bit better than they like Saul. 
And based upon that, Saul aims to kill David, eliminate the competition, right? And so he tries to kill David on multiple occasions, throws spears at him at three different moments. But there is a son of Saul, the son who was supposed to be in line to uh, elevate to the throne after Saul had passed on. His name was Jonathan. And Jonathan and David were purpose partners. They had a covenant relationship. They were tied together. They were brothers in arms. They were friends. They were closer than even blood. And based upon this, Jonathan and David had a decision to make. Saul was trying to kill David, and Jonathan could have supported his father, but Jonathan chooses an alternate route. Jonathan chooses to indeed be a purpose partner. Uh, some of you don't realize, but after Psalm, or 1 Samuel 18 and 19, after Saul had tried to kill David once again, it led to this moment where David flees, and David flees, he would start to run for his life for 10 to 13 years. Over a decade, he would spend running away from the clutches of Saul. And the person who saved his life, who gave him an avenue to get out, so to speak, was David's purpose partner, Jonathan, an unconventional relationship. I want to today give you three principles and then three characteristics, okay? Three principles of why you need purpose partners and three characteristics as well. Let's start with these purpose principles because I think it's very important for us as we talk about uh, purpose partners to understand why we need them. Why do I need purpose partners? Well, number one, because when you're walking in your purpose, everyone won't like it. <laughs> we can stop right there, shout, and close out the service. When you're walking in your purpose, when God elevates and promotes you, everyone does not like it. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 1. Then David fled from Nioth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? What did I do to you? What did I do to him? What did I commit that makes me worthy of this type of treatment? See, sometimes we overuse the language of haters, right? So some of us think that we're so important that we have all these people who are, who are hating on us or talking about us. And it's, it's true that we overuse this language. But there are some people that are not going to like you simply because you exist. There are some people that are not going to like you simply because you're walking in the purpose that God has given to you. I like to put it like this. Sometimes you will have opposition without explanation. <laughs> Let me say it again. Sometimes you will have opposition without explanation. Sometimes you will have some people and you're looking around and you're saying, why do you not like me? Why do you not consider me to be valuable? Why do you talk about me? Why do you put me down? And it's just simply because you have identified your purpose and you are walking in it. There are some people, ooh, I know you feel this. There are some people who will give you opposition without explanation. And when you start walking in your purpose, when you start talking about your purpose, when you start living in your purpose, people will become jealous that you're becoming who they wish they could be. <laughs> people will start to become jealous that you're doing the things they wish they could do. People will start to become jealous that God is using you in ways that they wish God would use them. And many times we will experience this opposition and never get an explanation. Can I help you out? Woe unto you. This is what the scripture says. Woe unto you if all people speak well of you. Woe unto you if everybody is talking about you well. 
If you have people who oppose you, that means you are going in the right direction because everybody is not supposed to be going in the right direction. Everybody is not supposed to be on the narrow path. And so those who are on the broad road are sometimes pushing against you and you're looking around and feeling sorry for yourself. But you better understand this principle. Many times you will have opposition without explanation, but many times your opposition will become your preparation. Many times your opposition will actually prepare you for the purpose that God has called you to walk in. Many times the people who oppose you, it's the fight, it's the pushback, it's the holding back when I could cuss you out. It's the holding back when I could talk about what I know about you. It's the holding back when I could tell you off. It's the holding back when I could give you a, a two-piece and a soda. It's the holding back when I could do something to you that shows my past life. It proves that God is ready to elevate me in my purpose because the way that I used to be, I don't act towards you. See, the fight gets you ready for the purpose. And the fight is not with them. The fight is with yourself. Opposition will become your preparation, even if it's without explanation. That's why you need purpose partners, because sometimes there are people who will not like you simply because you're walking in your purpose. Number two, this is very important. Why do I need purpose partners? Because your purpose requires protection. Because your purpose requires protection. God gave you your purpose, but it's your job to guard it. Many of us think that because we have been called by God, we just simply sit by ourselves and then it happens on the inside of us. Many people think that because hands were laid on us and we received a title and we got some anointing oil slapped all over our heads, and people clapped and shouted, and we received a prophetic word, and someone lifted us up and gave us an opportunity and a platform that based upon that, now we're just going to be able to walk into our purpose, and there will be no opposition. There's no work required of us. No, if God gives you a purpose, that's not less work, that's more work. It's spirit-empowered work. It's the work that God gives you that is ultimately going to reward you. It is the work that God gives you that is ultimately going to fulfill you. God gave you this purpose, but it's your job to guard it. Some of us are not walking in our purpose because we haven't put up a fight for it. Oh, come on. We haven't put up a fight for it. We haven't said, I'm going to stand 10 toes in the ground. I'm going to stand on my two feet. I'm going to plant my face, I plant my feet and, and point my face like Flint. And I'm not going to allow anything to deter me. And here's what we need in those moments. When purpose requires protection, we need partners who will fight with us. We need partners who will fight for us. We need partners who will cover us. I don't know about you, but I need someone praying with me. I need someone who's going to touch and agree with me. I need someone with enough faith that'll reach beyond the screen. I need someone with enough faith that's going to reach beyond the, even the coronavirus keeping us distance. I need someone who is going to reach beyond all the obstacles, reach beyond what people say. And that is why we need purpose partners, because in times when we need to protect ourselves, we need someone who's fighting alongside of us. Number three, why do I need purpose partners? Because you can't accomplish your purpose by yourself. You can't do it. You don't have enough in you to accomplish all that God has given to you. You don't have enough in you. I know you feel like you have everything that you need. I know you feel like you have everything. You know everything that you are supposed to know. I know you feel like you have all the skills and all the talents and all the abilities. But skill and talent and anointing alone is not enough. We need people at strategic moments of our lives 
who act as purpose partners, who elevate us to the next step. You know what I'm talking about. Those people who you look at and you say, how did you know I needed this? How did you know that I needed this opportunity? How did you know what I was going through? How did you know what to say to me? How did you know that this check was going to meet a bill? How did you know that your encouragement was going to uplift me? How did you know that I needed to hear that I'm valuable? How did you know this? And the reality of the matter is some of us need to crucify this Western individualistic evangelical strongman idea. That we in and of ourselves are strong enough to just muscle through anything. I need some people. God needs some people who are weak enough, who are strong enough to admit their weakness, who are strong enough to admit that they don't have anything on the inside of them, that they don't have everything that it takes to accomplish that purpose that he's given to them. And they need to be able to say, I need some help. I need somebody to lift me up. I need somebody to push me forward. I need somebody to make a connection. And some of us... We don't have purpose partners because we won't crucify our pride. We don't have purpose partners because we won't crucify our arrogance. We don't have purpose partners because we won't let our guard down enough to say, you know what? I don't want people to see the fact that I struggle with things. I don't want people to see the fact that I'm vulnerable. I don't want people to see the fact that I don't always know what to do. And God is saying, if the Son of Man could hang on a cross naked in front of a, a watching crowd, in front of people who desire to kill him for the sake of the sins of the world, then you can let down your guard. You can be vulnerable. You can admit that you don't know. You can admit that you don't have it all together. Is there anybody out there who is saying, you know what? I need some purpose partners because I don't have it all in myself. I don't have it all by myself. I've tried it on my own and I failed time and time again. But when I hooked up with my brother, when I hooked up with my sister, when I hooked up with the people around me, they were able to marshal their strength and push me towards my purpose. That's why you need purpose partners, church. You need purpose partners because when you're walking in your purpose, everybody's not going to like you. You need purpose partners because your purpose requires protection. You need purpose partners because you can't do it by yourself. Let's talk about three characteristics of purpose partners. We're almost done. Three characteristics of purpose partners. It's very important. The first of which is this. Purpose partners make a covenant. Purpose partners make a covenant. Notice verse 3 in 1 Samuel 20. But David, not Jonathan, but David. David took an oath and said, your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, verse 4, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. First, David has to make an honest confession. He has to make an honest oath, an oath of truth before Jonathan. He has to say, I'm close to dying. You have to understand this. I'm telling you the truth. And if you believe I'm telling you the truth, I need your help. And then Jonathan responds to him by saying, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. Here's the truth here. This is something that's uncomfortable. You can't ask God for a purpose partner if you're not a purpose partner yourself. See, some of us want this to be a one-way relationship. Some of us want this to be a hierarchical relationship. Some of us want to do certain things, people to do certain things for us, and we do nothing for them. But you can't ask God for a purpose partner if you're not a purpose partner yourself. David first had to take the step 
and say, listen, I'm going to be honest and vulnerable before you. And it's a risk. Catch this. It's a risk because if David admits something to Jonathan and says something and Jonathan takes it the wrong way, because he is in line in the throne, Jonathan could kill him. As a matter of fact, at one point in the passage, David looks at Jonathan and says, if I've done anything that offends you or if I'm wrong, why don't you just kill me yourself? See, there's a level to which we have to be honest. We have to be vulnerable enough to initiate covenant, to initiate oath, to initiate trustworthiness and loyalty with the people when we desire it for ourselves. So this is what Jonathan does in response to David's loyalty, in response to the fact that David was being a purpose partner himself. He says in verse 16, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. You have to understand this is what a covenant is. A covenant is two people coming together to make a commitment about what they will and won't do. A covenant is not simply a contract. A covenant is not simply a promise. A covenant is a commitment to the promise. A covenant is a heart and soul disposition which says, I will not just abide by the terms and the letter of our deal. I'm going to abide by the spirit of our deal. See, some of us, we want the letter of friendship, not the spirit of friendship. Well, I showed up, didn't I? Well, I did what you told me to do. Well, I, I'm here, right? Well, you know what? I got you a gift. But the spirit is we're not supportive. The spirit is we're not lifting them up. The spirit is we're always talking about them. The spirit is wrong and corrupt and bitter and poison. And God says, I don't want contractual people. I want covenant people. Purpose partners don't have transactional relationships with people. Purpose partners do not have a, I'm going to wait to see if you do and then I'll do in response. Purpose partners say, I believe so much in what God has placed on the inside of you that I'm going to make a covenant with you. Even if it disadvantages me, catch this, Jonathan knew that if David got away and came back, he would have a rightful claim to the throne. He would supplant his claim to the throne. But Jonathan took a step to the side and said, it's not transactional with me. It's truly about covenant. Because even if you benefit and I don't, even if you benefit and it hurts me, even if I do something for you and I never get it in return, based upon the covenant that I made with you, I'm a purpose partner. Do you have some people in your life who are not transactional, who are not looking and saying, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you say this, then I'll do that. But people were saying, I believe in you so much that I'm not going to be a contractual person. I'm going to be a covenant partner. I'm going to make an oath with you. Those are purpose partners. Those are the people in your life. Those are the people in your life that are supposed to take you to the next level. Type it in the comments. Type make a covenant. Some of you need to make a covenant today. Not just any simple covenant. Not just even a verbal covenant. But you need to make a commitment in your heart to the people who have been placed in your life. You need to be willing to say no matter what they need. God, tell me what they need. I'll do it. No matter what they're going through, tell me what they need and I'll show up for them. 
no matter what they're facing, tell me what they need, and I'll stand beside them. And you can't replace those people. Some of you know what those people are like. Some of you know who those people are in your life. And tears are filling your eyes because you can testify to the moments when I was at my lowest, they showed up for me. When I was at my worst, they prayed for me. They didn't talk about me. When it seemed like all was lost, they championed me. When I didn't have any opportunities, they told me that I was going to be somebody. Come on, somebody. How many of you have some purpose partners who have made a covenant with you? And the covenant, again, it's not simply a promise. It's a commitment to the promise. And so here we see Jonathan and David, they make a mutual covenant together. Not transactional because they're truly purpose partners. So first of all, a purpose partner makes a covenant. Second of all, a purpose partner maintains convictions. (laughs) A purpose partner maintains convictions. They maintain their convictions. Now catch this. Not just their convictions to you, but their convictions to God. Let's get into it. Verse 24. I'm going to read from verse 24 to 33. Bear with me. So David hid in the field. And when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan. And Abner sat next to Saul. But David's place was empty. Remember, he fled. And so because David fled, Jonathan said, I'm going to cover you. Your seat's going to be empty, but I'm going to cover you. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. Verse 27, but the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Now watch this. Watch how Saul responds. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to them, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Y'all thought I was getting ready to say something else. That's basically what he said. He said, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Fill in the blank. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. See, it's going to take away from your reign. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Now again, Saul is presenting an option to Jonathan. Saul is presenting an option that if we are honest, we would probably all look at and say, you know what, he's right. He's got a point. Because if David still lives, then I can establish my kingdom. Saul, in that moment, gave Jonathan a choice. But Jonathan is a purpose partner. Watch this. Jonathan says this in verse 32. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Watch this. Jonathan had a point to betray David behind his back. Jonathan had a moment. He had an opportunity where he could have forgotten the covenant that he made with David and violated his convictions. But real purpose partners will maintain their convictions even when it gets difficult. You know you have a purpose partner when they speak about you the same way they speak to you. (laughs) You want to know if someone's a purpose partner? Watch how they talk about people. Because the same way they talk about them is the same way they're going to talk about you. 
You want to know if you have a purpose partner? Watch how they treat people behind their back. Watch how they refer to the people who they apparently, supposedly champion in public behind their back. Watch the people who are talking out of both sides of their mouth. Watch the people who are double-minded. Watch the people who say one thing and then do another. Watch the people who are talking differently about you than speaking the same way to you. See, this is important because this is not loyalty to me. This is loyalty enough not to be influenced by other people and violate your convictions with God. This is why it's important to maintain your convictions. It's not about maintaining your convictions and your loyalty to me. It's about maintaining your convictions to God. Because when it comes time for you to say something to me, I don't need people to be silent when they should be speaking to me. I don't need people to be hesitant when they should be hopping up and blocking me from doing something I'm not supposed to do. I don't need people who waffle when they should be walking towards me and telling me what thus saith the Lord. See, when I'm talking about convictions, I'm not talking about the convictions to be true to me. I'm talking about the convictions to be true enough to God's purpose in me that you won't block, you won't waver, you won't stop, you won't treat me differently, you won't look down upon me, you won't talk about me, you won't stab me in the back. That's a conviction, not to me. That's a conviction to the God in me. Some of y'all don't realize it. See, this is why when you're disloyal to people, you're not violating them. You're violating the God who ordained them to be in that spot. Y'all need to get me to move on. There's nobody here to tell me to move on, so I'm just going to keep going. When you are disloyal to people and when you treat people poorly, you are violating not just the covenant you made to them, but the covenant you made with God. Because God said, if I put them in your life, and I let you make a covenant with them, now you got to stay true to the covenant that you made. Now you got to stay true to what you said you were going to do to them. And if you are lying to them, you're not just lying to them, you're lying to me. See, some of us need to let go of some people. Some of us need to not fight back against some people because they're not even opposing you. They're opposing God. <laughs> they're not even opposing you. They're opposing the God that's in you. They're not even opposing your situation. They're opposing God's sovereignty. They're not even opposing your prosperity. They're opposing God's purpose on the inside of you. Do you hear what I'm saying? You need some purpose partners who are going to maintain their convictions, who are going to maintain their loyalty to God, who are going to maintain the truth even if it gets hot, even if it gets difficult. And this is what Jonathan is able to do. He's able to say, catch this, very important church. He's able to say, I could advance if I let you down. I could advance if I stab you in the back. But the way I speak about you is the same way I speak to you. I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to tell you. And what I say, it's a yes. When I say no, it's a no. That's what it means to maintain your convictions, church. Have you let someone, a relationship that you've made a covenant with, have you let someone be put down so that you can be lifted up? Have you let someone fall by the wayside so you can advance yourself? That's not a purpose partner. Purpose partners maintain their convictions. Number three, and I'm done. They master consistency. Purpose partners, they make a covenant, they maintain convictions, and they master consistency. Notice here, watch this, verse 42. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. He gives him the opportunity, warns him, says Saul is out to kill him. Goes and sees David, warns him, and then says, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other. In the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. 
Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. The key question for every purpose partner is not, will you show up for me? But will you keep showing up for me? <laughs> That's a key question. Easy to show up for someone once and call yourself a purpose partner. Easy for you to be there when it's good times and call yourself a purpose partner. Do you master the consistency? Do you have the consistency of character? Do the people around you have the consistency of character? That says, I'm going to keep showing up for you. Even when it is disadvantageous to me, I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be loyal to what God has placed on the inside of you. When the heat is turned up, will you stand with me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, purpose partners for real. When it came time, when they turned up the fiery furnace, what did they say? We, we together. We purpose partners. Jonathan looked at David and said, go in peace. We have made a covenant and I will be consistent with it. Not just that, but catch this. When David is, is actually instituted and established as a king, he goes and does the same good to Jonathan's house that he said he was going to do in this oath. He said he was going to be true to Jonathan's house, and he goes and does it when he gets in the space. David, years later, over a decade plus later, has the same consistency in that moment with Jonathan. And Jonathan had the same consistency with David up until his death. Are you consistent? Are you doing the same thing? Are you going to say the same thing? Yes, seasons may change. Yes, we may fall out of contact. Yes, things may happen. That doesn't mean we're disloyal. But what it does mean is when we come back together, can we be consistent? Can we love one another? Can we speak the truth to one another? Can we serve one another? Can we champion one another? Can we call out God's purpose on the inside of each other? Those are purpose partners. Those are the people who have mastered consistency. Who can make the covenant? Who can maintain their convictions? Who can master being consistent? For those of you who are watching right now, I want to encourage you to pray that God would give you people who are in your life for the simple purpose, for the simple reason of acknowledging how great God is on the inside of you, for the simple reason of being the people who are going to elevate you, push you, champion you, to guard your purpose. I pray you have those people. If you don't, we're getting ready to pray a prayer. But I want to hold space for those who have been betrayed. I want to hold space for those who have had the saws who threw spears at them who threatened to kill them, literally or figuratively, who assassinated their character. I want to hold space for you. You are valuable. You matter. What you have been through was wrong. Even if you had done something wrong, you didn't deserve that. There should have been grace and mercy, especially in the kingdom of God. Those things are not referendums on your character. It might have been one moment, but it's not the final word on what God is doing on the inside of you. But for those who feel as though they're isolated, for those who feel as though they don't have anyone who is a purpose partner, we're going to pray right now. I want you to lift up your hands. And even those who feel like they may have some purpose partners, I want you to lift up your hands as well. Father God, right now I pray that you would heal broken hearts, that you would mend wounded souls, that you would put back together shattered spirits. God, I pray for those who feel as though they have no purpose. I pray that you would help them to see and understand that they do have a purpose, that they are valuable, 
that you have given that to them from before the foundation of the world. And God, I pray for those who feel like they don't have purpose partners, people who are just assigned to them to lift them up, to make a covenant with them, to maintain their convictions toward them and to master consistency with them. I pray, God, that you would have some divine appointments this week, that there would be some people who would come together and would miraculously even, out of a, con a completely unconventional way, would partner up and make covenants together, would say, I'm here for you and I mean it. I'm here with you. And I pray, God, for those of us who feel as though we've fallen short in this area. I pray that you would give us grace and mercy to get back up and try again. Just because we failed once in community, it doesn't mean we stop. God, we continue because you have created us to walk in community together. God, I pray that we would have healthy relationships, that we would master this area of purpose partners so that not only we can experience what you have called for us to, but so that everyone around us can experience what you have called them to as well. We pray for these things and we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Church, go get you some purpose partners and walk in your purpose this week. I love you so much. Be blessed. Well, hey, church, I hope that that encouraged you as we continue our focus series. It is so important for us to remember that we are called to follow after Jesus. And that first starts again with salvation. And if you're wondering, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I am a part of the family of God. It's very simple. It is just a prayer away. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. I believe that you died and you rose again for, for my sins and for the sins of the entire world. And now I will trust and follow you for the rest of my life. Whatever variation you say that in, if you confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you are saved. Welcome to the family of God. I know it might seem like you don't know what to do, but I want you to put home in the comments, the word home in the comments, all caps. And our social media team will reach out to you and give you some literature, help guide you further on what you are supposed to do as you move forward. I also wanna encourage you as you're moving into this particular moment of us being focused, I wanna encourage you to join us on our Focus Fast. You can do so in the pinned comment. There is a link that says Focus Fast. There's a pinned comment there. And you can click that link and it'll give you the steps for what it means to fast. This is a powerful time for us to center our hearts and allow God to speak to us as we continue to focus on what he has called for us to do. If you didn't have a chance to give, you can do so in three easy ways. You can go to the Tively app and type New Dimensions Christian Center. You can go to our website, ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in, P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Church, thank you so much for joining us. I pray that the worship has uplifted you. The word has challenged you. I pray that you have been changed today and motivated to go all in. We'll see you on Tuesday at Midweek Bible Study right here on our NDCC Facebook or YouTube page. And we'll see you next week for another sermon series from our Focus series. We're so excited about what God is doing. Our calling is so important and we must remain focused on it. Well, I'm praying blessings upon you this week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next week right here at New Dimensions Christian Center, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Be blessed. Well,